Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hey guys, welcome to Abide in Liberty. I'm so glad you're here today. Over the last few weeks, uh, I've been talking a lot about the importance of using time appropriately, about legislating morality, about the importance of making sure we're in a really good place spiritually so that we can discern truth in a world where information is abundant, but truth is more and more murky and more difficult to identify. And you know, I try really hard to make sure that I'm addressing things that I feel like God wants me to address. And you may be wondering, when are we getting back to the Constitution? And what does all this have to do with liberty? This podcast is called Abide in Liberty, after all. And it has everything to do with liberty. We simply do not regain our liberty if we are not right with God. That is true individually and as a nation. In a nation where there are laws that reward wickedness, where as individuals we allow our lives to be wasted on spiritual and intellectual junk food, and leaving ourselves in a position where we can be deceived by Satan's lies all keep us from being right with him. And if we are not right with God, then no amount of reading and studying the Constitution is going to cut it. God is the author of agency. He is the founder of our great nation and the principal author of the Constitution itself. And any conservative voice out there that fights encroachments on liberty without God being at the very center is going to lose because you have left out your greatest champion. Without that champion, you lose and we all lose. Just like freedom without God during the French Revolution resulted in nothing that even closely resembled freedom. To that end, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk a little bit more about God and about my big brother, Jesus Christ, both of whom are our only hope at national salvation. The only ones. Only through reconciliation with them do we have any hope of fixing the institutions that should be protecting our God-given rights. While listening to me say this, if you find yourself saying something like, well, yes, God is great, but then you have missed the point and need to get your faith on straight. Without that foundation, liberty is dead and can never be revived. Focusing solely on the Constitution is like trying to rebuild a house without first fixing the foundation. Our foundation is crumbling, and we have got to get that under control at the same time that we work on rebuilding the house itself, the Constitution. But the foundation's got to be there first. It has to be. It was there first in the American Revolution, and that's why the Constitution built on top of it has been able to stand and last as long as it has. And as soon as that foundation begins crumbling and comes under attack and has been chipped away, Over the past several decades, only then have our liberties truly become at risk. So we've got to fix the foundation. And no, that's not an oversimplification. That's the truth. The truth is simple. Stop trying to complicate it. I've been studying recently about the last days 
And I came across Matthew chapter 24, and wow, is there a lot packed into that chapter. It lays out uh, the timeline of the great apostasy as well as um, the the last days pretty well. It kind of gives this really nice overview. One thing in particular that jumped out at me, and this is kind of where I want to spend my time, is, is some areas of the scriptures where um, it talks about what's going to happen in the last days and how closely we nail so many of these. In this one, this is Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 through 13. It says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But that but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall we shall be saved. How, how much do we see that now? That natural affection, that love and kindness has just waxed cold. Um, you know, we we've demonized children so much to the point that we've been able to justify killing them before birth. That is love run cold. We are getting to the point where we, and and, um, when I say we, I'm referring to people on both sides of the political spectrum and people from all walks of life have let ourselves fall into the trap of demonizing entire populations, whether you... (laughs) (laughs) You're demonizing gun-crazy Trump supporters or um, crazy communist Biden supporters or however you want to do it. We've kind of, we're we're painting people, God's children, in pretty broad and unflattering cold strokes. That's not good. Now, in particular, I came across a chapter in the Book of Mormon that talks about what people's mindsets are going to be in the last days and some of the ways that we're going to be tempted in the last days and some of the ways that we're going to become deceived. Now, I want to pause and talk for a second about the Book of Mormon. I had a conversation with a good friend who told me he thought that um, this podcast would be able to reach a wider audience if I went a little bit more kind of non-denominational Christian and didn't bring so much the specifics of my faith into it or at least maybe publicize a more generic version of these podcasts. Now, I've thought a lot about that, and I've come to the decision that I'm simply not going to do that. Um, I simply can't do my faith justice without the Book of Mormon. I believe the Bible and the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God, and that two or more witnesses are required to establish everything. These two testaments of Christ— go hand in hand. This is not a a testament of the veracity of Mormon or Nephi or any of those. Every single one of these prophets point to Christ. My faith and my testimony are built on what both of these great books have taught me about Christ. They're part of who I am, and I'm not going to compromise on either of them. Those of you, if there's anyone out there under the sound of my voice that think that the Book of Mormon is a work of Satan, Have you read it, or have you just trusted what you've read about it, or what others have told you about it? I personally have read it dozens of times, and just like the Bible, it builds my faith in Christ every single time. By their fruits ye shall know them. Read it for yourself, and ask yourself, does this persuade to believe in Christ or not? If it does, remember that Christ himself said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan can't cast out devils for risk of undermining his kingdom, then he sure as you know where won't create something that has brought so many to a more firm belief in Christ. He would be fighting against himself. 
And if issues with mainstream media have taught you anything recently, it's to do your own homework. So make sure you're forming your own opinions about the Book of Mormon as a result of genuine, open homework on your part. Read it yourself. All right, enough on that. As we go through this chapter, what I like about this is from 2 Nephi chapter 28. And I think we're probably going to spend this week and next week talking through some of these prophecies about the last days. Um, Nephi shares a prophecy about the last days, and there are a ton of modern-day applications. It was stark just how much um, the things that I had heard about in the news just this week popped up in this chapter of the Book of Mormon as I was reading it this week. Um, And whether you think that Joseph Smith made this stuff up in the early 1800s from his log cabin in the woods of New York and Pennsylvania, or if you believe that these are actual prophecies from prophets who lived in ancient America, you have to admit that these things that I'm going to share with you are prophetic. There's no other word to describe them. So a little bit of background on this guy, Nephi. Uh, His father's name was Lehi, and he and his family are commanded to to leave Jerusalem right about the time of the Babylonian captivity, just a few years before it. They're guided by God to the Americas, where they establish their family and, and begin their, their civilization. After Lehi's death, Nephi succeeds his father as the prophet, and he begins his record. And at this point, in 2 Nephi 28, he has seen in vision what he, that what he and his posterity will write will come forth in the latter days as a witness of Christ and a tool for bringing people to Christ. That's the Book of Mormon as we know it. So this, as the prophets in the Book of Mormon were writing, they were writing specifically for our day. They knew that these things would come into our hands at some point. So they're writing for us. And in this chapter, he shares some of the visions and prophecies of what it will be like in the last days. And I just want to share a few of these with you. There's so much here, um, but we'll, we'll work through it here just a little bit at a time. All right, verses 9 and 11 say, There shall be many which shall teach false and vain and foolish doctrines, and shall be puffed up in their hearts, and shall seek deep to hide their counsels from the Lord, and their works shall be in the dark. They have all gone out of the way. They have all become corrupted. So I love this phrase, uh, false, vain, and foolish doctrines. When you look up the definition for the word vain, it's not just you think you're all that, but it also means, and in this context, it means producing no result. These are doctrines that produce no result. And I can think of no better example of a vain or foolish doctrine than the notion that boys can become girls or vice versa. And then this, this statement here, they have all become corrupted. There is corruption everywhere, and it is becoming every day more obvious, more blatant, and more bold. Schools, in large part, have become an indoctrination system for teaching and and disseminating satanic perversions and attacks on liberty and freedom. Government, at all levels, is corrupt. Pornography is rampant. It's being pushed into schools, and, and even legislation in one state recently that was proposed that would require more stringent age identification on websites, received serious pushback. Media, movies, and entertainment are saturated in corruption and vile perversion. Politicians leaving office are do so insanely wealthy despite 
comparatively low salaries. How does that happen? We're told there's no way that COVID came from a lab to protect people in power. This is works in the dark being covered up. But now mainstream media is beginning to admit that that's the most likely source of the outbreak. And the list just goes on and on. Almost every news story you hear today is a story of corruption. They have all become corrupted. That has become fulfilled. Verse number 15, Oh, the wise and the learned and the rich that are puffed up in the pride of their hearts and all those who commit whoredoms and pervert the right way of the Lord. Woe, woe, woe be unto them, saith the Lord God Almighty, for they shall be thrust down to hell. Anytime you see multiple woes in a row, in, in Hebrew language, they didn't have words like very or super duper, so they would just repeat it when they wanted to really emphasize what a big deal this was. So woe to those who pervert the white way, right way of the Lord. God does have a right way. Um, there is absolute truth, and perverting that right way does not lead to happiness, but eternal misery, and that misery begins now. Wickedness never was happiness, and affirming people in their sins and helping them feel justified in perverse thoughts and behaviors is not a kindness. And we've talked about this before. That does not lead to happiness. It does not lead to good outcomes now or in the eternities. So allowing people to feel comfortable in their sin is the ultimate unkindness because we have what could help. Verse 16 Woe unto them that turn aside the just for a thing of naught, and revile against that which is good, and say that it is of no worth. For the day shall come that the Lord will speedily visit the inhabitants of the earth, and in that day that they are fully ripe in iniquity, they shall perish. What is the sign that we're fully ripe in iniquity and ready for that promised perishing and destruction? It's when we revile against that which is good and say it is of no worth. Now today, we don't just try to hide our evil or or a lot of people, I don't want to say our, (laughs) but a lot of people don't even try to hide their evil like in the good old days. But they openly boast about their evil as a good thing and they mock what's good. One of my early podcast posts had someone jump on and start attacking and kind of making fun of what I was obviously standing up for, which was a belief in what she called a sky daddy. It's a great way of of kind of diminishing and saying that a belief of such is of no worth. Chastity before marriage is mocked and seen as kind of a quaint, old-fashioned ignorant belief. People of faith are laughed at and mocked as simpletons. Parents who don't want their kids sexualized are mocked in the news and on social media. And if you dare to talk about God on social media, the algorithms throttle you. You know, this, I remember hearing about this, and I've heard about this for years, um, but it really became obvious, you know, as part of running Uh, the private school Liberty Youth Academy, a lot of our posts are about faith and about the things and and the faith and the the principles that we're teaching our students. And it is really hard anymore to make any kind of an impact with those posts. Now, 
This is something I've been a little bit hesitant to share on the podcast, mostly because it doesn't really apply to much of anything that we've been talking about. But I think we've been together long enough that I can introduce you to a little bit of my weird. Um, I, on the side, just for fun, you know, as a kid, I always wanted um, a pet snake. And my mom's response was, uh, well, either when you move out or if I die. Those are kind of your only two options. So, I did get married, moved out, and um, I now kind of have a side hustle where I uh, breed ball python snakes and sell them. And it's fun. And um, uh, anyways, long story short, I started this really in earnest and as kind of an actual business just a couple of years ago. And I started posting a little bit of what I was doing. I did create a Facebook page just because if you're starting a business, you kind of have to have one. And it took about... um, two or three months of not trying to gain an audience at all for this little stake business to achieve the following and the reach and the the post reach that it had taken years to develop for our faith-based private school. I still get followers all the time. I don't post. I'm not even trying to get new followers, but cannot seem to make that happen um, with our posts about the school in a world that there are many that are returning to these constitutional principles. Anyways, so again, you want to do a snake business, you can get all kinds of help on social media, but you know, we, we certainly don't want to share all this God stuff around. So people who talk about God are being throttled on social media. I've experienced that firsthand. People who want to save the unborn are attacked verbally as unfeeling sexists. The nuclear family is attacked as a continuance of an oppressive culture somehow. And they don't stop with just attacking the nuclear family. They don't just attack what's good, but they've gone so far as to call evil itself good. Think of those who were in the streets shouting their abortions and how, how much they were praised in the media for their bravery. Teaching children to explore their sexuality in kindergarten is is lauded as a liberation from an oppressive worldview that leads to unhappiness and lack of fulfillment in life. And and somehow helping children change themselves chemically and physically to become another gender, which is not actually possible, is somehow doing a good for that child and saving them. We have replaced the saving grace of Christ with chemicals with surgeries, with evil. Children are taken to drag queen strip shows to help them become more accepting and loving. Pornography has been normalized and has been um, explained in school sex education classes as a natural and healthy part of adolescent development. And sexual activity outside of the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman is natural and part of the natural order of things or between 50 different genders in each other. Marijuana, not really damaging. Let's legalize it. Are we fully ripe? I don't know. These things are rampant, but there are many who are fighting back against it. But when the voice or the majority of the people choose evil, then we are in real trouble. And we can choose evil by actively choosing it or choosing not to stand up for what is right and good. In either case, when that happens, when the majority choose evil, either because there are enough people that actually want evil that that are voting and that are choosing that, or 
because there aren't enough good people who are willing to stand up and be heard, then we're in for a real bumpy ride. We had better make sure that we're doing all we can to push back the tide of evil if we don't want that promised destruction for the nation. All right, we're out of time for this week. We will pick up right where we left off next week. Look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at AbideInLiberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting LibertyYouthAcademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.